0: All right, let's get into the Word. Um, For the last few weeks, we have been kind of appreciating the beautiful complexity of God's Word. And we shouldn't be surprised that it's complex. We shouldn't be surprised that it's intricate. We shouldn't be surprised that it's brilliant because it is, after all, God communicating with us. And it's just full of amazing instruction about who we are and why we're here and how we should live and at the same time as it's giving us all this amazing instruction, it's all working together. Every sermon, every poem, every letter, every chapter, every verse, every story in the Bible is working together to tell this one great big unified story and that story leads us to Jesus. And so for the last few weeks, we kind of started at the beginning, right? The story begins at creation in Genesis chapter one, and God created this perfect world for man, and a place where man and God could be together, right? And he created all these amazing creatures, and he kind of put man in charge. It says to rule over, we're supposed to be God's general manager of the world, right? And God created this amazing place where everything that man needed would be met. He needed you know, food and water and company and work and structure. Everything he needed to flourish and thrive was provided by God, and the best thing was that in this place, man would be with God. They would have communion, that they would be together. And then, of course, the snake showed up, right, and introduced Adam and Eve to temptation and to sin, and they just, they just weren't able to stand up to the snake. They just weren't able to stand up to temptation or sin. And man became like disillusioned, right? Dissatisfied, like unhappy. It was no longer enough for him to be with God. Now, he wanted to be God and he wanted to choose his own version of what was right and what was wrong. And as God had promised, that brought death. And most importantly, it brought spiritual death, which is a separation from God and God kicked him out of Eden. But he promised that someday he would send someone to make things right. God promised that someday he would send a man, an Adam, right? But a better Adam who would, who would be hurt by the serpent, but who would ultimately crush the snake and overcome temptation and overcome sin and overcome death and reunite man and god but while we waited meanwhile sin and violence just like escalated and spiraled out of control and finally god the bible says i love this says he heard the blood of the innocent crying up from the dirt that he created and he decided to wash it all over start fresh with noah and noah we learn right he was he was a good guy like like adam but he wasn't up to this calling he wasn't able to overcome temptation he wasn't able to overcome sin and finally reunite god and man so now you're reading the story and it's like starting to feel a little hopeless right we, we tried plan a we tried plan b and it's starting to seem like i don't know is is man ever going to be able to stop the sin and the violence and and the pride of trying to be God and finally be able to be with God as God originally intended. And then the answer to that question seems to come in uh, Genesis chapter 11. And the answer is no. Apparently we're not gonna get there because now all of Noah's kids have grown up. They've repopulated the world. Now we're several generations in. And it's like, Nobody even remembers what happened in Eden. Nobody even remembered what happened with the flood or why it happened because all of the people got together and basically as a group did what Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve wanted to skip God's good plan, right? For man and God to be together and they wanted to figure out their own plan. They wanted to have their own ideas about what was good and evil and now all the people got together and decided that they could get there another way, that they could, They could have this amazing Eden experience, this amazing heaven experience, and they could be like God's themselves without God's plans getting in their way. And actually, their plan was even stupider than Adam's. Um, They decided to build a tower. (laughs) Um, So they were gonna get to heaven on their own. And they were gonna be like God. And the Bible says they wanted to have a great name. They were gonna get famous by doing it. So I'm reading this and I'm thinking, if I was God in this story, I gotta say, it's, it's like, it's, it's time to call it, right? I mean, we've been trying this human experiment for a while now, and nobody seems like they're up to it. You know, nobody can stand up to temptation. Nobody can stand up to the snake and overcome death. Man and God are never gonna get back together. So if it's me, I, I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe instead of humanity, I'll just put like angels in charge or dolphins. Dolphins are awesome, right? Let's give Man had his crack, you know? Let's give dolphins a chance. But God is merciful and God is faithful. And he keeps his word. And he said he was gonna save mankind. And he said he was gonna reunite man and God. And he said he was gonna kill death. And he said he was gonna crush that snake. And he said he was gonna do it through a man. He said he was gonna do it through a descendant of Eve. So now he calls another man, Abram, to step out in faith. Now Abram is a descendant of Shem, which is one of Noah's good sons. And Abram lives with his family in Haran, which is up by Blanco um, for a long time. And he was uh, li- you know, living with his family, big ranch, very successful, you know, lots of help, lots of employees, lots of livestock. And later God's gonna change Abram's name to Abraham It's the same guy, Um, but before that, one day God calls him. So this is Genesis 12 in verse one. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And verse two, now God's gonna make a promise. here it comes. I will make you into a great nation. I'll make you into a huge family. He says, I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others, and I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So this is God's promise. He's gonna give an amazing big family. God's gonna bless that family and protect them and provide for them and preserve them, and then the big thing is, he says, every family on earth will be blessed through this family that he's gonna give to Abram, and so, Abram's part in the deal was pretty easy, right? He just had to believe God, right? God's gonna, God's gonna do all these amazing things, and Abram just has to believe him, and he has to just have faith. But he has to have enough faith, right? He has to truff, trust God enough to like step out and act on that faith. So it's a good deal for Abram and in verse four he takes the deal. So Abram departed, God said take all your stuff and move to this land I'm gonna show you and I'm gonna do all this amazing stuff, verse four. So he did, he departed as the Lord instructed and nephew, his nephew Lot went with him. Abram was 75 when he left Haran. So some people call this the Abramic or Abrahamic covenant. It's like, it's a covenant, right? It's a contract, it's a, it's a, a, a deal made between God and Abram so God makes some promises I'm going to give Abram this amazing family I'm going to bless this family and I'm going to bless the whole world through this family and Abram's part of the deal was he just had to have the faith to step out and go where God sent him and trust God to keep his promises so Abram packs up his stuff he steps out in faith he starts walking towards God's promise and three chapters later in chapter 15 it's like it's been a while now and some stuff has happened, and the promises haven't happened yet, and so Abram's getting nervous, and so God tells him, look, don't worry, I'm gonna, I'm with you, I'm gonna keep my promises, and Abram's like, yeah, well, what about this family you promised me? You know, I'm 100 years old. You know, when is, when is this gonna happen? So it's a really important verse. It, in, in, in Christian theology, this is a super important passage. This is Genesis 15:5. The Lord took Abram outside and said, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then after that, you know, we've said this is God trying to communicate with us and so we wanna really try to really understand what it's really trying to say and sometimes that's work, right? Sometimes we gotta dig and scratch and claw and try to understand this thing. So if this has been too easy to understand so far, this this next part is just Crazy, so God tells Abram to bring him some animals. Okay, so bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old goat, a three-year-old ram, a dove, and a young pigeon. And then Abram takes a chainsaw and cuts them in half. He cuts all the animals in half. So there's a heifer <laughs> split in two, a goat split in two, and he's just got this like row of split animals. And then that night, Abraham has some kind of like vision or dream or something. And God says, look, your family is going to go through some mess, dude. It's going to be like 400 years of slavery and oppression. But in the end, I will rescue your family and I will punish the people that oppress them. And I will lead your family and I will bring them back to the promised land. And then that night, he's like, Abram's like falling asleep, and there's these dead animals still laying out there, cutting in two, and he sees a fire go between those animals. So, that ever happened to you? <laughs> you cut a bunch of animals in half, right? You lay them, and then you, like, and just say, "I'll say it for you." What the heck? Right, what is this weird, bizarre? But this is the work, right? This is digging, this is rightly dividing. This is where we try to understand what it's trying to say. And what this is, when he cut these animals in half, this was like a little, like a ceremony that was gonna seal the new covenant. And it sounds bizarre to us thousands of years later, right? What a weird, why would you do that? That's crazy, why would you do that? But you know, we do things like that too. We make promises and then we do little ceremonies to say, but I really mean it, right? You ever make a pinky promise? When you were a kid, it's like, I know I promised that, but this time I'm serious. You know, like I'm seriously, I'm gonna keep my promise just for kids, right? But you ever make a deal with somebody and shake on it? We're gonna shake hands. What is that? That's me saying I'm serious about this promise. I'm really gonna do it, so shake hands. Remember when you got married, right? You made promises to one another, right? And then you gave them a ring. That's, is that less weird than cutting animals in half? You gave them a ring and said, put this ring on your finger. And now that you have that ring on your finger, I have to keep my promise, right? It's like a little ceremony that we do just to say, I made this promise, I'm gonna keep my word. I'm serious about it. Um, Have you ever bought a house and you promised the bank? you made a covenant with the bank, right? That you're gonna give them pretty much all of your money for the next however many years, and you sealed that covenant with a ceremony of writing your name about 1,500 times on 1,500 different pieces of paper, right? That's, what is that? Now it's like, I'm, I said I was gonna do it, but seriously, this time I'm really, I'm gonna do it. I'm making, this is how serious I am, right? I'm making a covenant. Um, when I was eight years old, I made a covenant with my friend Floyd and our deal was that we were gonna be blood brothers, right? We're gonna always watch out for each other. We're always gonna have each other's back. We made the promise and then to seal the covenant, we each took a pin and poked ourselves in the thumb and mingled our blood together. Do you know what that meant? That meant I was gonna get hepatitis. No, no, that, that, listen. That meant, that meant, look, look, it's my blood, man. This is, ser- this is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I said. I'm gonna keep my word. I'm gonna keep this covenant. This is how serious I am. And 5,000 years ago, right, this, this ceremony, what they did was to show how serious they were about this contract. It was to show how serious they were about this covenant. And the idea was, I'm gonna split these animals, right, cut them in half and guts or whatever, and I'm gonna split them in half, right? And I'm gonna walk through between them, and that's like me saying, may this happen to me if I don't keep my word. May this, me, I be cut in half if I don't keep my promise. So what I would recommend to you is the next time you go to buy a car or buy a house, and you're going to sign the papers, don't take a pen. Take a three-year-old heifer, <laughs> three-year-old goat, a ram, dove, and a pigeon, and when you, they hand you the pen and they say like, here, sign these papers, you can say, oh, that won't be necessary, <laughs> Arr, right? <laughs> That's how, I'm gonna make my payments, right? This is how serious I'm, as, listen, I'm as serious as death about this covenant. So that was weird, right? <laughs> that was awkward, so let's move on to something less awkward and less weird. Let's talk about circumcision. <laughs> just skip, just skip. Uh, so in Genesis chapter 17, God asks Abraham to do another ceremony to show their seriousness, right? This is how serious I am, and to mark them, his family, as people of this covenant. It's, it's circumcision, and that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day, but I'm gonna say this, I'm going listen to the words I'm saying, it's a painful, cutting away of the flesh. Put that in the bank right there, right? It's a painful cutting away of the flesh and it's just like killing those animals. It's saying, look, this is how much this promise means to me. This is how serious I am about this covenant. So some people call this a conditional covenant, right? So God is saying, you do your part and you can be sure I'm gonna do mine, right? So pretty much from there on, The rest of the Old Testament is mostly just the story of this family that that God called and separated out from the rest of the world, the family of Abram, the, the Israel, the Hebrews, the Jews, these are God's people. And the whole thing started with this promise that God made to Abram, that he would bless him with this amazing family and that he would bless the world through that family. So that's a little bit about Abram's story and really one of the most important events in the Bible is this covenant that God made with Abram. So we've been doing this, Is there? so that was a long time ago, right, is, are there any life applications in this? Are there any like helpful hints or instructions for us about how we should live our lives or who we are or what we're supposed to do, why we're here? And I mean, there's a whole lot in here. There's a lot of real life applications here for us that matter in our lives like, like faith That's huge, right? It says God counted Abram's faith as righteousness. That's important, right? It's like, Abram wasn't righteous, but God counted him. He called him righteous, not because of his good deeds or stuff that he accomplished, but because of his faith. So that's huge for us. That's how God sees us, as righteous, right? None of us are really righteous. None of us are really holy, the Bible says. All of us sin and fall short of God's plan for us, and yet God sees us as righteous, because of our faith in Jesus. And then obedience. I mean, this guy, he, Abram stepped out in faith. He didn't even know where he was going. God said, go to a land that I will show you. So the movers are there, right? Stuff is packed. There's empty rolls of packing tape laying everywhere right? The boxes are stacked up, everything's in trailers, and the movers are saying, where are we going? And everybody's going, I don't know where we're going. I'm just going to take one step at a time. I'm going to step out. I don't know where my foot's going to land, but I'm going to step out. And sometimes for us, that's what God calls us to do, isn't it? He calls us to take a step without really knowing how it's going to go. He calls us to do what he calls us to do just out of faith, real faith drives real obedience. That was true then, that's just as true now. Here's a great lesson from this. Um, God chooses who he uses. And he uses who he chooses, right? God God chooses who he uses. Abraham wasn't perfect, but he was chosen. And God did amazing things through him. And in our world now, that's the same, right? For every Christian, God chooses us, and we're not perfect, but we're called. And we're chosen. And he does amazing things through us, almost like in spite of who we are. And maybe the big lesson is, is God's faithfulness in this, right? Because you've read the rest of the story, right? Was, in scale of one to 10, was Israel faithful to all the promises? <laughs> right, they were horrible. Was God faithful to them? He was. So God is faithful to people even when they aren't faithful. That's a really important lesson for us now, now in our world. here's another lesson for us now. It's not too late. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how far you've gone or how much of your life you think is behind you. Abram was 75 when this whole thing started, right? It's not too late for God to do something amazing through you if it wasn't too late for him. And then this thing about cutting the animals in half, um, does that apply to our lives today? Yeah. Um, I don't think it means like you should take your cat next time you go to close on a house. Um, But I think it does teach us about the seriousness of keeping our commitments. We're covenant people, right? We're in a a covenant with a covenant God. We should keep our promise. So there's lots of practical, real life lessons for, for our lives in this story. There's a lot of stuff in this story that applies to our story. But to me, the big takeaway in all of this story is about God keeping his covenant promises, God makes a deal, he makes a contract, he makes a covenant with people, and he keeps his promises, and sometimes he requires us to act in faith to do our part of the covenant. So someday we'll dive into each one of those lessons, but now I wanna get on to my favorite part. How does this story fit into the story? Right? How does this little thing about all this weirdness, fit? this family cutting animals in half, right? how does that fit into this big, unified, eternal story uh, that leads us to Jesus? And there's a couple of ways. Um, the first thing is God's promise to Abram was that A, he would bless Abram with this huge, amazing, blessed family. Right? And B, that he would bless the world through that family. So he kept the first part with Isaac and Jacob and his 12 sons and this nation of Israel, right? His holy people, the Jews are still a big, amazing, blessed nation. So God kept that promise. But what about the second part? He promised Abram that he would bless the whole world. The whole world will be blessed through his family. Has God kept that promise? How has God kept that promise? Yeah, Jesus. He kept that promise in Jesus, because in Christ, in the Messiah, the whole world now has the opportunity to return to God's original plan, right? Through Christ, the whole world now has a chance to to experience God, to be with God, to have their needs provided for by God, to spend forever in God's presence, and that's made possible by Abram's great, 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 grandson, Jesus. So God blessed the whole world through the seed of Abraham's family, Jesus. So this story has a lot to say about Jesus. This story has a lot to do with Jesus. He is, he is the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abram. That he was going to bless the whole world through his family, and then there's this covenant business, and this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal. So God made a covenant with Abram, you know, trust me, step out in faith, and I'm going to bless you with this great family, and I'm going to bless the world through this family. And then later he makes another covenant with Abram's his descendants, and that's the that's Moses and the Israelites. You know that story in Exodus, right? Uh, we'll talk about it next week, I think. But in Exodus 19, he calls them up on the mountain, right? the holy place where heaven and earth come together. He calls them up on the mountain and he gives them this list of laws. Here's Exodus 19, 5. This is, this is the new new covenant, right, or addition to that, an addendum, something to that covenant. Now, if you obey me and keep my commandment, you will be my own special treasure from amongst all the people on earth for all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests. Does that sound familiar at all? You will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. Now, this is this is a new, a new covenant, right? And this covenant is conditional. That's really important because he says, if you obey me and keep my laws, you'll be my people. If you want to be made right with me, if you want to be what Adam was originally supposed to be, if you want to be my people in my perfect place, enjoying my blessing, then you're going to have to keep the covenant and you're going to you're have to live to live." under my rules. And a really important part of the law, I we don't have time to, to do it all, but a really important part of the law and all those rules that God gave them was that you're gonna keep all these rules, you're gonna keep these covenants, 600 laws, man, a lot of laws, but then when you don't, because realistically, they weren't gonna always keep all those laws, and so he said when you don't, the lesson is God is faithful even when we're not. So he said, when you fail, when you don't keep the law, then I will cover your sin with blood. I will cover your sin with blood. And that's the weird stuff about sacrifices. Again, we're gonna hit that in a couple of weeks, but this is all about the goats and the sheep and the blood and all that good stuff. More about that in a couple of weeks. But this this started with the Abrahamic covenant, right? And, And God's gonna, Give him this amazing family. He's gonna bless that family. He's gonna bless the world through that family. And this is now the Mosaic covenant. This is a covenant with Moses and that group. And that that covenant is that God's chosen people can be right with God by keeping his commandments, right? And by covering their sin or their failure with blood and sacrifice. Do you see the two covenants? First covenant's with Abraham, I'm gonna give you this amazing family, I'm gonna bless them and I'm gonna bless the world through them. Second one is with Moses and all them in the, in the desert and they're on the Mount Sinai and all that and that is that you, know, you, you can be made right with me, we can do this thing but you gotta keep my commandments and when you fail to, we're gonna cover that with blood and sacrifice. The Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, where does Jesus fit into this? Jesus brought a whole new covenant a whole new covenant. And this was prophesied. Jeremiah talked about this 600 years before Jesus came. This is Jeremiah 31, 31. Think about the covenant that they're in now. You gotta keep all these rules. If we mess up, we gotta kill an animal and cover everything with blood, right? Jeremiah talked about it 16 years before. Here it is, 31:31. 31, 31. Jeremiah 31:31 31, 31 says the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant won't be like the ones I made with their ancestors, and this is the new covenant that I will make with the people after those days, I will put my instructions deep within them, not in a scroll, not in a box, not on stone tablets, I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. This is the new covenant, it's coming. It's, this is the, the prophets are talking, the new covenant is coming, the new covenant is coming, and I'm gonna tell you a little secret, the new covenant is better. It's way better, it's way better. We don't have to remember, 600 laws for one thing, right? And he's gonna put his instruction, he says, inside of us. He's gonna put his, his, his right and his wrong. His instruction is gonna be inside of us, in our, in our hearts, so we will know what is right. And also he simplifies it for us. In Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said, if you just love God and love people, then you are keeping the commandments. You are fulfilling the law. So this, this new covenant, Our part starts with trusting, it's like Abram, right? It's it's trusting Jesus so much, believing in him so much, just like Abram, that we take a step in faith. And then we keep those covenants, not by our willpower or something like that. We keep those covenants by what God puts in our hearts, by the love that God puts in our hearts. Not what we read on a stone tablet, or what a priest told us. So the new covenant is just better. Because it's not about us keeping outward laws and doing stuff that everybody can see and just hoping that the goodness of keeping those laws somehow sinks in to this dark place inside of me. It's the opposite of that. In the new covenant, God really cleans us out, right? He really, He changes us. It's new birth, we're a new person in Christ. Right? And that means we're starting fresh and everything is fresh and everything is new and everything is pure on the inside and then he begins this process of that working outwardly in us. Right? So inside we're pure from day one. When you became a Christian, you were pure that day on the inside and then since then God is doing this amazing process to where it's like seeping out. Right? And it's, 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 now it's working its way into your, 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 your words and your actions and your thoughts. It starts in the inside with him cleaning us and that's so much better than trying to do a bunch of good outward stuff and hoping it sinks in. Um, Look how I described, this is Ezekiel talking about it, again, hundreds of years in advance. He says, then, in the new covenant, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and your filth will be washed away and you'll no longer worship idols and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and you will be able to keep my regulations. So this is, this is the new covenant. And remember the old covenant, the thing where they cut the animals in half and all that, it was all bloody. And remember what a big deal that was, that they had to cover everything with blood and all that stuff. And the new covenant, in the New Testament, it talks about kind of the same thing. This is Hebrews 9, 18, look what it says. The first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. Verse 22, in fact, according to the law of Moses, according to that covenant, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, without people saying, this is how serious this is to me. Right, it's as serious as death. It's as serious as blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so salvation through Jesus, this is the new We're not gonna be made right with God anymore just because we're connected to Abram like in the first one. We're not gonna be made right with God like in the Mosaic Covenant where we keep all the rules, we keep all the rules, we keep all the rules, and when we fail to keep a rule, we gotta kill something and sprinkle blood all over it and cover our sin or our mistakes with blood. The New Covenant is better. We're not trying to keep all those laws. Instead, it's like he's doing it for us. When we're in Christ, he puts his spirit in us. So, we're not trying to become pure. We are pure in our spirits. And then he goes to work purifying us from the inside out until we're completely pure in our actions and in our, our words and in our lives. It's the new covenant's better. And you know what? It's especially better for us. How many of you are Gentiles? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Okay? Word to the wise. This is really good news for us. Right, because it's open to everybody, not just Abraham's grandkids or whatever. So that's really good news for us, because thanks to Jesus and the new covenant, now we, even us, Gentiles, can finally become God's treasured people, and we can pro- we can finally experience. God's real blessing. And we can finally, it's just, we're going back to Eden, man. Now we can finally experience what God wanted in the first place, which was us to be in communion with Him. We can be together with God. And someday we'll even be doing that in His holy, perfect place. Meanwhile, we can be at peace with God in the new covenant. That's what I like. That's why the new covenant's better. In the Old Covenant, like every time you made a mistake, imagine living your life like this. Every time you made a mistake, you're worried, I didn't keep my part of the covenant, maybe I'm out now, right? Maybe God's gonna get mad and he's not gonna keep his because I didn't keep mine. Quick, get me to the priest. Quick, get me a cup of blood, right? Quick, kill me an animal because I gotta get this thing fixed. Quick, because I've messed things. That is no way to live. And in this New Covenant, there's no guilt. There's, there's no shame. There's no, we don't have to worry if God's mad at us when we make a mistake because we're not saved by keeping those rules. We're not saved by the old covenant, we're saved in the new covenant of Jesus. And our covenant starts just like Abram. It starts with us having faith, really, really believing in Jesus and trusting him so much that like Abram, we walk out our faith and we follow him. And so the new covenant is awesome, but can I give you a warning before everybody starts signing up? Um, The new covenant's better, but that doesn't mean the new covenant is always easy. Amen? amen? People that have been a Christian for more than 15 minutes, amen? amen? Yeah. So look what Jesus says to the crowd in Luke 9 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, then raise your hand in a church service and you're good to go. That was your says. <laughs> you wish. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to just keep holding on to what you think is right and what you think is best, you try to hold on to your own life, you're gonna lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. So our part in this new covenant, I'm sad to tell you, is way more than saying some words, or raising your hand, or walking down an aisle in a church, or being, even being dunked in water. You know what it is? It's giving up on our way. That's, that's what Adam and Eve couldn't do, right? They had to do it their way. That's what the people of the Tower of Babel couldn't do. They had to do it their way. In the New Covenant, we have to finally do this thing, right? We have to give up our way. We have to take up our cross. If you think this is easy, think about what Jesus, he's talking to people in Rome in the first century. When he said take up your cross, he wasn't talking about decorating your house with crosses. right? He's not talking about cross earrings. Right, I mean, that's what we do because for us, the cross is like a symbol of life and a symbol of freedom. It wasn't to them. To them the cross was, it meant crucifixion. The cross to them meant horrible, bloody, torturous death. Take up your cross and follow me. So just like Abram's covenant, for us, before this new life can begin, something has to die. And what has to die is us and our ways and our pride and our sin. And when we lay down our stuff and we lay down our ideas and our ways and what we think is best and what we think is right and what we want, when we lay that stuff down, do you know what that is? It's like circumcision, right? What do we say it was? It's a painful cutting away of the flesh. that's what baptism represents right it's I'm, i don't i don't want me anymore i want him in me that's what baptism means when someone's baptized they go they go into the water it represents going into the grave right it's like the old me's dead now that guy's dead now but now i'm 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 rising up i'm out of the water i have new life and now i'm alive in christ this is what Paul's talking about. This is Galatians 2:20. Look what he says. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live, the real me, I live in this earthly body. How? Just by trusting in the Son of God. Right? That's you know, that's I just I'm, this thing is just I'm just coasting in this thing, right? I'm existing in this thing. I'm living in this early body by trusting in God, the son of God that loved me and gave himself for me and that's the new covenant. When we really believe in Jesus, not a little, enough to step out in our faith, right? Enough to lay down our stuff, to take up our cross. Uh, Romans 12 says we let our whole life, we lay down everything, our whole bodies, our whole lives, we lay down everything and become a living sacrifice. So we, we lay our lives down. And we trust him like Abraham did. And that's scary, right? Because just like it was for him, we don't always know where this is gonna lead us. We don't always know where God's gonna take us, but that's what it means to walk out your faith. And when we do that, he makes us right with God permanently because he makes the change that matters, right? It's not that we're gonna do all this good stuff and take up our cross and that's gonna work its way in. Instead, he changes us from the inside. He changes us permanently, changes us com- completely. We are reborn. He fills us with his spirit. And he lives in us, and he lives through us. And man, if you haven't, like it's this covenant, or right? he's offering you this deal. And most of us have already said, yeah, give me, I'm signed, I'm, I'm in, I'll, I'll kill an animal, I'll, I'll lay down my stuff, I'll do whatever it takes to say I am serious about this covenant. But if you haven't done that, man, I would love to talk to you about that today. I'll be out there in the lobby and just grab me. it take five minutes to do the paperwork, right? Just, just do the paperwork, man, just to make your commitment. And that's super important. And, and maybe there's a couple of people here that are ready to do that. I pray that there is, and I pray that you will come and talk to me if so. But while we're all together, I wanna pray for like all of us together about something else because I suspect, because I know, that there are a lot of us that have like accepted this new covenant, but we're still living like we're under the old covenant. There's a whole bunch of us that say we're now, it's all about what Jesus did, and I'm just gonna walk out my faith, and I'm gonna trust him, and that's it. The rest is up to him, and yet we're living our lives like if we make one mistake, if we make one mistake, like God's up there with a hammer. He's just hoping you'll fail so he can conk you on the head and press the down button, and let me tell you something. That is not the life that Jesus came to give you. That is not the life that Jesus died to give you. God is faithful even when we're not. God is faithful even when we're not. Does he require us to step out in faith? Yeah. Does he require us to trust his ways? Yeah, he does expect us. It's a big deal to lay down your life and take up his new life, but we don't do that on our own strength. He fills us with his spirit. And he leads us and he empowers us and he changes us from the inside out so that everything that we do for him, we do through him and we do in him, in his calling and in his leading and in his power. And we don't do it like they did out of fear, right? We don't live like that. We don't do it so God will love us or so that he'll accept us. We do that because he already loves us. We do it because he already accepts us. He is faithful. To his promise and his promise to us is in Romans eight thirty eight. right nothing can separate us from his love and when we do get in the way and when we do fail we don't have to feel guilty right we don't have to be scared of him this listen this new contract this new covenant has a provision for that when we mess up there's a, there's a provision in the contract for that. He's already taken care of that. He already thought that through. And the provision is we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus came to die. He's calling us to live. And not in fear. And not in shame. And not in bondage. But in confidence. And in joy. And in freedom. And it's hard for us. Because a lot of us... A lot of us would be, easy. We'd be better off in the desert, you know, because we know how to do that. Give me some rules and I'll follow them, right? And that, that's not what he wants from us. He wants us to make our commitment and take our step and trust him with the rest. And if you've not been living that life, I'm gonna tell you that you are cheating yourself out of what Jesus died to give you. So I'm gonna say a quick prayer right now. Man, if this is you, get in on it pray with us let's all bow our heads let's pray together and if you're living this incredible life of freedom and joy and peace in Jesus good for you pray for the people around you because I'm going to tell you you are surrounded by people that can't get out of that second covenant all right let's pray uh, God thank you so much for the way that you choose to bless many through a few you, you this one family you bless the whole universe and through this one man you blessed all of us You fulfilled your promise and you always do. So God, will you just give us faith in that? Will you help us to take our faith out of our behaviors and the good stuff that we do to earn your forgiveness or to earn your grace or something? Will you just help us to see what Jesus did was enough? You will fulfill your part of this covenant. You are faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you. And God, will you help us to see that that brings out in us this amazing commitment, this amazing this this desire in us to please you, and just to lean into you. And God, will you help us to trust you, to lead us, to give us not only the the will to please you, the desire to please you, but you also give us the strength to walk out what you call us to do. So help us to lean into you more, help us to lean into ourselves less. God. We don't need you to make us better people. We just need to give us stronger faith. Help us to trust Jesus for our salvation and stop trying to save ourselves. Help us to walk in the freedom and the joy and the peace of knowing that our God is always faithful. He's faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. And you prove that to us through Jesus. In his name, amen, amen.